Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, it's great to see you this morning. My name is Chad Crouch. I'm one of the pastors here at Dogwood Church. I'm excited to have the opportunity to speak to you this morning. I'm excited about the middle of this series that we're in today. Uh, so we're in the, we've been in the middle of this series called, What on Earth Am I Here For? And what we're doing in this series is we're asking ourselves that very question. God, what on earth are we doing here? What is our purpose here? What are we supposed to be doing here? And how do I get the most out of this life on earth? We here at Dogwood believe, and Christians around the globe believe, that there is a God in heaven who knows us and who loves us. But not only that, we believe that God designed us and created us for a purpose. That that we're not just living on this planet for no reason, but we have a purpose. And so over the last several weeks, we've talked about the first three of the purposes that God has for us. Um, Excuse me, the first purpose is that we're, the purpose is to be loved by God. God created us and God designed us to be loved by Him. The second week, we talked about the second purpose is to belong. We know that we are not intended to do life on our own. And I think we all inherently know this. We were intended to do life in community with other people and in community within the body of Christ. And last week, we talked about our third purpose, which is to become. We want to become all that God has called us to be, meaning that God wants us to grow up, right? He wants us to mature, to become the people that he has made us to be. And so today we're going to be talking about the fourth purpose, we're going to, which we're going to get to in just a moment. Now, not only do I want to talk to you today about this purpose for our lives, but I want to talk to you today about one of life's greatest desires. This is one of my life's greatest desires, and I think this is true for everybody in the room. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're male or female. I, I don't care how long you've been a Christian or even if you are a Christian. This is a desire that everybody across the, the board has in their heart. I believe that each of us has the desire for greatness. I believe that every single person has a longing and a yearning inside of us for greatness, that we all want to have an impact. We all, in one way or another, we want to matter. We want to know that the world is a different place because we lived, right? And we have this innate need to make our mark on the world and to be remembered, you know, one of my, my favorite movies of all time, and this is probably a little bit cliche because I think it's probably many guys' favorite movie, is the movie Gladiator, right? Have you seen the movie Gladiator? That is an incredible movie, right? It is a great story. And so one of the characters, in the, the main character in the movie, Maximus, the Gladiator, has one of the most epic lines to me in all of cinema. And the line is, brothers, let what you do in life, what you do in life will echo in eternity. What you do in this life echoes in eternity. And that's what we want, right? We want our lives to count for something big, maybe even something that goes beyond our years and our time on earth. We want to achieve greatness, right? It's part of who we are as human beings. And I believe that this desire for greatness, you know, it even exists with little kids. I think even kids get this. So my son, uh, his name is Collier. He's four years old. He's the best kid on the planet. Your kids may be great, but he's the best kid on the planet, okay? He, he is really into superheroes right now, okay? He's at that age where he loves superheroes, and you may still be into superheroes, but I know that a lot of your kids probably are too. But so he loves them, and he's not specific to one. It's, you know, Batman and Spider-Man and Wonder Woman and the Avengers. It's the whole thing. He loves all of them, and he loves to dress up like them, right? And so, you know, we don't even have all the costumes. He's like, Dad, I want to dress up as Batman. I'm like, we don't have a Batman costume, but knock yourself out. So he goes over to the closet. He gets a towel out. He shoves the towel down his shirt. He heads out to the garage. He puts a helmet on, and then he finds some, like, He's very creative. Some popsicle sticks or something and tapes them to the back of his helmet. And he comes up to me and he says, Dad, I am Batman. (laughs) He does the voice and everything. 
but he loves superheroes. He wants to be a superhero like so many of us did when we were kids. And I believe that kids want to be superheroes because superheroes do great things. They do great things. They're doing something significant and something that matters. People know their name and the world looks vastly different because of who they are and because of what they are doing. And so whoever we are in life and whatever we do, I believe that all of us have this desire for greatness, but we seek it out in so many different ways. We seek it out in in things like financial success. We believe that if we can make enough money, that if we can, you know, get our salary to a certain place, that's achieving true greatness. Or or that fame is true greatness, that people will remember me even when I'm gone. Or maybe power is the true pinnacle. Or, Or maybe raising a really great family. Some people, it's being in top physical condition all the time. And for a lot of people, it's being the absolute best at whatever it is that you do. I want to be the best at my job. I want to be the best in an art form, at a skill or a trade or a hobby or something like that. But the question that I want us to ask this morning is, are these things truly the best way for us to achieve greatness in our lives? Is this the best way to do something significant and to have an impact on this earth? And, and I think we can all say that we have tried to achieve greatness through one of these things before. Uh, and I will admit to you this morning that I still try to achieve greatness in a lot of these ways. I have an extreme inclination, I'm going to call it a personality flaw, to try and achieve greatness through whatever it is I'm doing, through being great at whatever it is I'm doing. I, I, I will stay up all night over something. I will make myself nauseous over doing something because I want everything that I do to be great. And it's sort of insufferable, particularly for my wife. Because, you know, I'm the worship pastor here at Dogwood, and I think that the ride home from church is like the longest part of the week for her. Okay, so we get in the car, and I'm like, how was the music today? What did you think? Did you, you know, was the mix good? Were the vocals good? Did you hear the guitar line in the second verse or the third song? It was amazing. We worked forever on that. And a day like today where I'm preaching, it's going to be a bad afternoon. I don't know if she's coming today or not. I'm going to be like, what did you think of the sermon, babe? Was it, was it? And she's like, oh, it was good. It was what? It was good. It was good, but it wasn't great. I mean, did I not like hold your attention? You know, should I have been funnier? Was it too long? You know, was it, did you not leave understanding the very purpose and meaning of your life? Was it not the greatest sermon you've ever heard on the topic ever? That's what our ride home is going to look like. Because so many of us have this inclination to achieve greatness through whatever it is that we're doing, through being great at whatever it is we do. And I think this desire, it doesn't just exist in, in our 21st century American fast-paced, competitive culture, that I believe that this longing that we have has been a part of every human in the history of the world. And so it even existed in the time of Jesus. And so what I want to do today is we're going to take a look at a passage as we start today where Jesus encounters this desire for greatness rise up in his disciples, and he addresses it. And I believe that in this passage, Jesus actually gives us the secret to greatness. He tells us truly how to be great. And so here's the good news for us today, for all of us today. Greatness is not only possible for each and every one of you today. And you may feel like I'm not really doing anything significant with my life. I want to tell you that no matter who you are, male or female, no matter how old you are, where you've been, where you're from, greatness is within grasp for every single one of us today. doesn't matter who you are. And so we're going to dive into this passage together. If you have your Bible, uh, it's in the book of Luke, uh, chapter 22, verses 21 through 30. And um, if you don't have your Bible, it's going to be up on the screen. Also, I'm going to be reading from the message translation, at least on this passage. And so it might look a little different, but it's going to be up on the screen. So to give you a little bit of background on what this passage is. So this takes place at the table of the Last Supper. 
at the very table. This is the meal where Jesus, that Jesus, an intimate meal that he held with his disciples, his most devoted followers, his closest friends. And this is the meal where he tells them that I'm going to be taken by the authorities very soon. And that that I'm going to be, that they're going to arrest me. They're going to take me and I'm going to give my life for the sins of the world. They're going to hang me on a cross and I'm going to lose my life. This is the meal where he shares that with them. This is where this conversation takes place. So again, it's uh, chapter 22, verse 21. Let's read this together. It'll come up on the screen. It says, do you realize that the hand of the one who is betraying me is at this moment on this table? It's true that the son of man is going down a path already marked out for him. No surprises there. But for the one who turns them in, turns traitor to the son of man, this is doomsday. And so what Jesus is saying here, this is a little bit of a tense moment at the table among his closest friends. He's saying, one of you at this table is about to stab me in the back, is about to betray me, is about to literally turn me into the authorities, and that will lead to my death. You know, so it gets real quiet, real tense all of a sudden here at the dinner table with Jesus. And then he continues in verse 23. It says, they immediately became suspicious of each other and began quizzing one another, wondering who might be about to do this. Within minutes, they were bickering over which of them would be the greatest. And so here, you know, you can kind of cut the tension with a knife in this room right now. Jesus says, somebody at this table is about to stab me in the back and betray me. And so then they start like giving each other the side eyes, like, which one of you is is it going to be? You know, like, hey, you over there, you know, we were hanging out at the well the other day and you were looking at Jesus a little bit funny. Like you wanted to like push him in or something. What's up with that, man? Or, you know, we were over there healing the blind man the other day and you weren't there for a couple hours. You like disappeared. Where were you between the hours of five and seven the other day where we were healing the blind man with Jesus? And, and then this, this questioning turns into this argument over, over who is the greatest. You know, well, it couldn't possibly be me because I'm the most devoted follower. I'm the most devoted disciple. I'm the most committed disciple. And the text doesn't say this for sure, but I'm wondering if Jesus, you know, has been giving them these subtle hints over time that he's going to give his life and he's not going to be here forever and soon he's going to be gone. And so I'm beginning to wonder if at this point they're starting to think, okay, Jesus might be right. You know, the, the tension's heating up. People are really starting to hate him. And so they're starting to wonder in their minds who is the greatest because somebody's going to have to take over this little outfit when Jesus is gone. Somebody's going to have to be in charge. And so this need for greatness bubbles up among the surface of Jesus' closest followers. And then Jesus responds in true Jesus fashion, if you can say that. And his, his response is so countercultural from the way the world normally works. This concept could literally turn the world on its end. And in this next passage, Jesus reveals to us the secret, what I believe is the secret of greatness and the fourth purpose of our lives. This is what he says. Jesus intervened. Kings like to throw their weight around. And people in authority like to give themselves fancy titles. But it's not going to be that way with you. Let the senior among you become like the junior. Let the leader act the part of a servant. And who would you rather be? The one who eats the dinner or the one who serves the dinner? You'd rather eat than be served, right? Eat and be served. But I've taken my place among you as the one who serves. And so what Jesus is saying here is that greatness, true greatness, it's not in power. It's not in position. It's not in authority. It's not even in money or influence. But true greatness is marked by the one who serves. That If you want to be great, you've got to serve 
others. And this is the fourth purpose that God has for our lives. And if you remember absolutely nothing else I say today, nothing else that that came on it, this is what I want you to take away with today. True greatness, this little sentence, true greatness comes from serving greatly. And I want to put it up on the screen. True greatness comes from serving greatly. Is it coming? It may not be coming. Can you say that with me? True greatness comes from serving greatly. That's what I want you to walk away with today. You were made to serve God. And the way that you serve God is by serving other people and by serving the church. When I was in college, uh, I think it was my second or third year, uh, I got a new roommate in. And so this guy comes in. I met him for the first time. His name was Jeremiah. And um, nice guy. Too nice. It's one of those people, he was like so happy. And I was like, it was so annoying at first, right? You know anybody like that? I like didn't trust him. I was like, he's happy all the time. He's happy at 8 a.m. classes. He's happy at finals week. This guy is happy all the time. And I was like, I just, I, I don't know. It, and I was like, man, there's joy in the Lord, man. I got that. But this guy's got something else going on. He was just a happy guy. Okay. And so there was this one particular morning that it was a Saturday and it was in the winter. It was really cold. And I was like, I'm sleeping in tomorrow on Saturday. And so I was sleeping in in my dorm. And, and I remember I opened my eyes that morning. I vividly remember this. Opened my eyes and the most disgusting smell just permeated the whole room. I'm literally gagging in my bed as I wake up. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is that? And I like get up out of bed and I have a blanket around me. It's freezing. And I walk out in the hallway and the guy across the hall, same thing. He's out and, you know, and he's got a blanket on him and he's like, what's going on? And I walk outside to realize that the entire entire men's dorm, Christian college, the entire men's dorm has emptied because of this terrible smell that's going on. I'm like, what has happened? What has happened? And so I'm like, it's terrible, but I got to go in and figure out what it is. So I go back inside and I see Jeremiah in the kitchen with a pot about this big and he's stirring and he's singing and he's just as happy of collard greens. So much, so many collard greens that he has emptied the male dorms. And I am like ticked off at this point. Okay. It's like Saturday at 7 a.m. I'm like, what is going on, Jeremiah? And I, I say, Jeremiah, what are you doing? And he's just smiling and singing. And he says, I'm making collard greens and then I'm going to go downtown and I'm going I'm to serve them to homeless people. And I was like, stupid, happy people. Oh, you know, <laughs> Like, you know, what am I going to say about that? But, you know, Jeremiah taught me something that day, something that, that's taken me a while to learn, something that, that I didn't know up until that point. And I want to read this verse to you. This is Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all you do. And Jeremiah taught me for the first time in this verse it ties together that this, this unselfishness and this consideration and being a servant is directly tied to joy and happiness. That true joy and satisfaction come not from serving yourself, but from serving other people. This is Jesus' secret. This was Jeremiah's secret, my crazy, happy friend. We were not put on this planet to take up space and to breathe and to just live life however we wanted at the moment and then just die. God put us here to make a contribution. God put you here to achieve greatness. And here's something that I've learned about myself. I'm not really important enough to dedicate my own life to. I'm just not. And I don't know that that's true for you. I'm just not that important. I'm just not that special. Now, I'm grateful today that my mama thought I was that special when I was a baby. I don't think she thinks I'm that special anymore. But 
I am not important enough to, to dedicate my own life to. You know, we've been reading this incredible book together, um, What on Earth Am I Here For?, that goes along with this series. I hope you've been enjoying the book. If you did not know this, but that is the number one selling book of all time besides the Bible in the history of the world. So if you didn't know, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty amazing. Number one selling book of all time. Um, but my favorite line in the entire book, you know, it, it's got so many great things in it, is actually the very first line on the very first page. And it says, this is what it says. It says, it's not about you. It's not about you. Or as we say in the South, it ain't about you, man. It is not about you. And over the last decade or so, the world has told us that you are the most important person in your world. Every advertisement is aimed at you. Everything is aimed at telling us that we are the most important person in our world. Do whatever makes you happy. Do whatever's good for you. You know, it's all about self-help and self-importance and self-esteem and selfies and self-promotion. We have been told to serve ourselves. That that's the way to truly be satisfied and to truly be fulfilled. That's the purpose of your life. And I feel like they've been telling us that for a couple of decades now. I feel like we've given that a long enough run to say we, we, we experimented with that. And I think that the results have come in on that. Over the last five years, the level of clinical depression has risen by 50% in just the last five years. The suicide rate over the last 15 years has increased by 24%. 24% more people have taken their lives over the last 15 years. So as we've begun to focus more on ourselves, about making ourselves happy, we found that the exact opposite is true because it's not the way Jesus wired us up. It's not the way that we were made. I believe that the results are in and serving others is what brings about true greatness. But it also not only does that, but it brings about more joy and more satisfaction in your life. So I wanna say to you this morning that if you're here and you feel like I'm lacking joy in my life, I just don't have a lot of joy. I don't have a lot of happiness. You need to go serve. You need to go serve somebody. If your marriage is struggling today and you're like, man, I'm just not satisfied in my marriage, serve your spouse and just see what happens. What do you have to lose? If you're, if you're you know, feeling like, oh, this just isn't working, just go serve your spouse and see what happens. If you're unhappy in your job, go and serve somebody. Go serve a coworker and serve your boss and just see what happens. It might not work out. I'm not making any promises, but see what happens. And, and if you feel yourself unsatisfied and unhappy going to church, step up and serve. Step up and serve. And you may be coming and be like, you know what? The, you know, the, the, the music's not really doing it for me anymore. I don't really feel anything. I'm not really feeling the spirit of God when all that's going on. I, I don't really feel like I'm getting that much out of the sermons lately. Step up and serve and see what happens. And just see what happens. What do you have to lose? Another thing that I found that's so fascinating about serving is that we so often view the role of a servant as this lowly position, as a position of inferiority and a position of loneliness. But I want us to read what God says about those who serve. This is Matthew chapter 23, verses 11 and 12. It'll be up on the screen as well. It says, The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humble, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The message translation puts that same passage like this. It says, do you want to stand out? Then step down. Be a servant. If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But if you're content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. So God has this incredible way of lifting up those who are willing to step down. God has a way of giving influence to those who stop seeking their own power. He has a way of exalting those who humble themselves by serving. 
You know, in the middle part of the 20th century, there was a woman who went to the country of India. Uh, At that time, the people of India were suffering tremendously because of disease and because of plague and because there um, there was a lot of violence that had broken out between two competing cultures in that country. So she shows up on the scene, and she's got no money. She's got no power. She's got no influence, but she just wanted to do something to help. And so when she got there, she saw that there were people that they were literally dying in the streets and people are just walking over them and trampling over people in the streets as they're dying and they're wounded. And she thought, I don't know what I can do, but I can help take care of those people. And so she brought those people into her home and she began to care for them. And she began to just show them that that she loved them and that somebody cared about them. And oftentimes she wasn't even able to save their lives because they, they were so sick or they were so wounded. There was nothing that she could do, but she thought, you know what? At least these people can die with a little bit of dignity. You know, at least while they're on their deathbed, they're not alone. And they know someone loves them and someone cares about them. This woman cared for the most insignificant people in this life. That woman's name was Mother Teresa. Have you ever heard her name before? You've heard her name before because this is somebody who humbled herself and God exalted her. God lifted her up because she was willing to step down. She went and cared for the least influential people in life. And God gave her incredible influence across the world. This woman could walk through the halls of Congress and people would like poke themselves. Do you know who that is? Do you know who that is? Democrat, Republican, they listened to what she had to say. She would step into the United Nations buildings and people from other religions, from other parts of the world would say, listen to every word she had to say because she humbled herself and God exalted her. And she was quoted as saying this, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. And when we do small things with great love for a great God, Amazing things can happen. Amazing things can happen because true greatness, like we said earlier, comes from serving greatly. And I believe that not only does God take, he doesn't just take people, humble people and do big things, but God takes humble acts of service and he does great things. And I want to tell you this morning, there is no such thing as an insignificant act of service when it's done in the kingdom of God. There is no such thing as an insignificant act. There is no such thing as a God who is great and who's mighty and who's powerful and sees the big picture. A God who's great asking you to do something insignificant. There's just no such thing. Everything that God asks you to do has tremendous potential and and, and tremendous ramifications in the kingdom of God. God is in the business of taking small things and blowing it up and making it change the world. And he does it over and over again. God took a scrawny little skinny kid and he used that kid to take down a giant in the Old Testament. A kid with a little sling and a rock against their nation's fiercest, biggest, scariest enemy. This kid took him down. God took this humble kid and he exalted him and he made him one of the greatest warriors and the greatest kings that they had ever seen at that time. And then God took 12 dudes, 12 Ordinary, less than ordinary guys who bickered and tried to one-up each other at the dinner table at the Last Supper. He took these 12 guys and he made them leaders and pillars in the greatest and longest lasting movement in the history of the world called the church. That's what God did with these guys. And then God took a woman like Mother Teresa who didn't have much, but she was willing to leverage it for him and for his kingdom. And she humbled herself, and God gave her a worldwide platform to spread the news and to spread the fame of Jesus Christ on this planet. 
because God has a way of giving influence to those who stop seeking their own power. And he has a way of exalting those who humble themselves by serving. True greatness comes from serving greatly. One thing that I think is a travesty that's happened in the church culture in our time is that we've been tricked into somehow thinking that in order to serve the kingdom of God, if you want to do something that matters for God, if you want to serve the church, then you've got to be like a great speaker or a great singer or a blogger or a writer. I I see that all the time in the church. This is how the kingdom of God is advanced. This is how it moves forward. But that wasn't true at the founding of the church, and it's not any more true today. The church is not built on the gifts and talents of a few, but it's built on the sacrifices of many. The church is not built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. The church that Jesus Christ is building all over this world is not built on a talented worship leader. It's not built on a talented singer or speaker or anything like that. It's built on the extraordinary sacrifice of people like you and people like me. And we're entrusted with all kinds, all manners of responsibilities and roles and gifts in the kingdom of God. So this, this gathering that we have here on the Dogwood campus, we are not going to succeed or fail in our mission because of our pastor, Pastor Keith Moore. We're not going to succeed or fail based on how good the sermons are or based on how good the music is. We are going to succeed by collectively using our gifts, collectively using our abilities and experiences that God has given us and leveraging those to serve the world, to serve the world. And finally, we serve because we're making an investment and we're leaving a legacy. And you know, when you serve, you're actually leaving two legacies. There's a legacy here on earth and there's a legacy in heaven. And, and you know, both of those things are really important. They're, they're important things. But the thing about our legacy here on earth is this. It just, it doesn't really last that long. Because, you know, I don't care who you are, how important you are. in you know, two, three, four generations, people are going to forget us. They're, they're not going to know that we existed. And even if you get your name on a plaque on a building somewhere or win an award, a few generations, they're not going to remember who we are. But your legacy in heaven, your investment in eternity, I've always kind of, you know, fantasized about, you know, what it would have been like if I had gotten in early on like Apple or Google or something like that. You know, have you ever done that? You're like, man. I wish I could have been one of those early investors in a company like that and seen how that might have paid off over 10 years or 20 years. And you, know, you might have just made a small investment. It might not have been a lot of money on the front end. But you know, the thing about that is when you get in early, sometimes the stock will split a few times. And when it does that, it'll increase the number of shares that you have. And along the way, it starts to pay dividends. And over the years, it grows and it multiplies and it gets bigger and bigger. And I wish that I would have done that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But what about when you make an investment in the kingdom of God? What about that? What if, what if on Sunday morning you gave a little bit of your time or one of the services and you maybe held the babies or something, anything in the, in the children's building? You just held the babies and maybe not just holding the babies, but, you know, you, you prayed for the baby and you, you, know, you cared for the baby as if it was your own. And that hour or so that you had over there and you prayed for the baby's family, you prayed for the baby's parents. And, and when the parents came back over, you, you know, you said, hey, you know, baby, he was great today. He was awesome. And we're so glad to have him. We're so glad you guys are here. We love having him in our class. And we took great care of him. Just want to let you know that he was a little fussy when you dropped him off. But now, he, he, 10 minutes later, he was awesome. And he loved it. I think he had a good time. 
And so those parents then got to go and they got to listen to the gospel of Jesus and the gospel that that says that there's a hope in this life and that there's a purpose for this life and a hope for the next. And then those parents gave their life to the Lord. And so all of a sudden that kid who you held in the nursery, that baby is going to grow up in a household that's rooted in the gospel of Jesus. It's going to grow up in a household where he's loved, where he's worshiped, where he's prayed to and he's read about. He's going to learn to treat people the way Jesus would treat them. And, you know, years go by and that, that baby that you held in the nursery gives his life to the Lord. And, th- and then maybe that, that, that little boy or that, that young man now tells his friends about Jesus. And then his friends tell their friends about Jesus. And somewhere along the way, one of those friends goes overseas. They go to Iran. They go to China. They go to India. And they tell those people about Jesus. And all of a sudden, new churches are springing up. And people's lives are bre- being changed. And the story split a few times. And it increased in its shares. And it began to pay dividends over the years. And it grew and it grew and it multiplied. And now hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people are going to spend eternity with Jesus because you held a baby in the Sunday morning services. And man, that is a common story here at Dogwood. And it might not start with holding a baby. It, it might start with opening the door for guests as they come in out here. And you don't just open the door, but you say, hey, welcome. We're glad you're here. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through, but you're probably going through something. And you're loved and you're wanted and you're welcomed in this building. Come on in, man. Find a seat. Get some coffee. Maybe that story started with tilling the soil over in the community garden for our real life center because there are a ton of people in this community who have needs, who are, who are down and out, people who've lost their jobs. But then we can go and we can take what we grow in that garden and hand them something and because we're giving people the dignity and we're, we're telling people that, hey, don't worry about what you're going to put on the table tonight. We want to help take care of that because God loves you. Because God, or maybe that story started with teaching an ESL class or investing in the lives of teenagers or, or leading a life group or running lights in the worship center. But, but each of these stories, this happens. God makes incredible use of our investments. He's an incredible investor. That, that same story happens over and over again with a million different initial investments and a million different acts of service. Now, my question for you this morning is who wants to invest in the kingdom of God? Who wants to make an investment for the kingdom of God? Who wants to be great by serving greatly? We have hundreds of volunteers at hundreds of volunteers at Dogwood who serve here every week. I think we have like a hundred people on the worship team alone. Hundreds of people. And I know that many of you are out there. I'm looking at your faces. I see you. And I just want to say this morning, we love you. We are thankful for you. And I hope that this morning, at least in some small way, gives you new energy to keep going, new wind under your sails. I'm going to storm the gates of hell with my gift. Whatever it is, I'm going to go. And that you have new energy with whatever it is that you have. But if you're here this morning and you've never taken that step to serve, I pray that today is the day that you would step up and say, I want to get in on that. Yes, that's me. I want to get started. And so before we leave today, I want to tell you some really simple ways that you can start this afternoon, that you can start this week. I don't want you to leave without, without knowing that. So we're going to go through these really quickly, and you can write these down if you want to. They're going to be up on the screen. You've heard some of these before. This is how you can serve today. The first one is you can serve with your time. You can, and before we even start this, I just want to say that you can do these things in the church and outside the walls of the church. That God does call us to serve within the wall, you know, with this gathering. But God also calls us to serve outside the walls. It's not one or the other. It's both all the time. You can serve with your time. If you know somebody who needs help, just go help them. Just go and help them. Give of your time. If there's a need in the church, go fill it. 
You don't always have to say, oh, I need to pray about that. Maybe that's not where God wants me. Just step up and do it. If there's a need and you're available and you're not doing anything, go fill the need. If someone's sick or hurting, go see them. Serve with your time. The second one is serve with your talents. If you're a great teacher, this is simple. Teach. If you're great at gardening, garden. If you're great at being a leader or organizing, then do that. The third one is serve with your treasure. Give to the church. God calls us to, to give and to tithe. But, but there are also people sometimes who, who don't have enough, people, people who are struggling, people who just don't have enough, but we do, and we can be generous, and we can serve people by giving to people who don't have enough. And people who are in crises, I know so many people have been hit hard with medical expenses that they never expected and medical expenses that are literally insurmountable, that they could never pay off. How could we serve people by serving with our treasure? And the fourth one, this is easy, but we're so bad at it. Serve with your talk. Serve with your talk. How, how hard is it to just encourage somebody? Just to, just to say something nice and say something meaningful to somebody. Speak life into somebody. Serve with your talk. And number five is serve with your testimony. Tell your story to somebody. Serve somebody by telling your story about how you get up early on Sunday mornings and you serve out of the overflow of how Jesus has served you. Share, serve with your testimony. Because here's what I know about what the Bible teaches about serving. Saved people serve people. Saved people serve people. The call to salvation and the call to serving, they're the same thing. It doesn't come one without the other. Saved people serve people. And again, you can do We need to do all these things inside our gathering, inside the church, and outside the walls of this church. As uh, Pastor John told us about earlier, on November the 12th, we're having our Dogwood Journey classes. All of them, we're going to have our Belong, Grow, Serve, and Share classes. We want everybody who's a part of Dogwood Church to go through all four of these classes at some point. So if you haven't been to one, please sign up. It's in your bulletin. Sign up for that today. It's in the afternoon. There's going to be barbecue. Please sign up for that. It's going to be a great day. One of those, the Serve class, is designed specifically to walk you through figuring out what it is that you're good at. I believe that God all made us all great at something. So what is it that you're good at? We want to help you figure that out. So we'll walk you through that. And then not only will we do that, but Pastor uh, Jay Vineyard oversees this, and I love this, so sign up so he'll have so much to do. He won't know what to do. But so sign up, and, and he will help you find a place to plug in. That's what part of his job is, and he wants to help you do that. So get signed up. So my question for you today, I want to say that greatness is within reach, like I said, for every single one of us. So my question is, what can you do? What is your gift? What are you great at? How could this church be different? How could this world be different if you didn't just attend, but you joined in? Because serving is where you stop coming to church and serving is where you start being the church. How could this world be different if you brought who you are into what God is doing here and around the world. So if you want to be great this morning, truly great, if you want your one and only life to count for something, and if you want to know for certain that this world looks different and you did something that matters because you were here, then brothers and sisters, if you want what you do in life to echo in eternity, then go for greatness and serve greatly. Serve greatly. You know, I know I'm not ever going to win like a Nobel Peace Prize. I'm not ever going to win. I'm probably not going to go get to meet the president, get a medal. They're not going to put my name on any buildings. You're probably not going to win a Nobel Peace Prize either. But you know what? 
So what? I don't want to minimize the people who've won it. They've done incredible things, but so what? I bet you can't name five people who've won the Nobel Peace Prize. Not five people. But one day, you will stand before the King of Kings. And if we have used our one and only life to go for greatness, he will look at you and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. There is, amen, yeah. And there is nothing greater than that. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I'm, I'm just grateful this morning. Um, for who you are. And God, I believe that all of history is your story. History is his story. And God, I'm I'm humbled and amazed that you let us be a part of it, that you let us step in and you let us do a little something. And God, we would rather be a door holder in your kingdom than than be great anywhere else, God. And so this morning, I I thank you for the people who who constantly serve here at church and and in their neighborhoods and in their communities. God, I'm grateful for them. And I do pray that, that They would be energized today. But God, I pray that you would move every heart in this place to use whatever it is that you gave us because you gave us everything we have. And you would use it and you would leverage us to make a difference, not just in the world in general, but for your kingdom around the world. So God, we want to be great and you want us to be great. So God, there's nothing greater than serving you. There's nothing greater. And we do all this for your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword Dogwood to 77977 or click the give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give. 